Hey yo, hey yo. Mic check one two one two. Mic check one two one two. Salutations, beautiful people. You are now tuned in to the Minority Report. I am your host, Dre E. The Minority Report podcast is the dopest podcast on the planet where we tend to focus on issues, problems, great things, bad things affecting all minorities across the world. So without further ado, let's get into it. Yo, yo, y'all ready? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into it, yo. It's Cup of Joe with Dre, episode number 12. We in the building, we got a special guest in the building. I'm gonna call him Mark, I'm gonna let Joe get to the introduction, man. But um, this is your host, Dre E, co-host Dre E. My man Joe, what's up, man, what's going on? What's going on, Dre? Not too much, man. It's been a it's been a hell of a week, but um, but a good week. A good week at that, man. So, um, Cup of Joe with Dre, episode number 12. Like I said, special guest in the building. Introduce the guest, man, tell us about it. Come on now. All right, so he, he kind of shucked and jobbed us. Uh, alas, it should have been episode 11, but it's all good. Yeah, it should have been. You're right. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, this is an honor for me. Yeah. He is not only a funny guy, crazy funny, but we, we are family. He, he got a PhD. He. He may be the smartest person in the room right now. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, I, I, mean, like, I, I know. I mean, you might be smart. I mean, we have a special guest. She's smarter than but You might be smart, but you know. And he'd have read more books. <laughs> <laughs> All of us together. For sure. For sure. I have the honor and pleasure to introduce my cousin, Bloodline. <laughs> PhD, yes. Dr. Mark Cunningham. Oh, man. Dr. Thank Mark you. Cunningham, welcome, man. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you all for having me. How, 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 how did I do? Yeah, you did well, sir. Did I stay the landing? You did. Okay. You did. And, and I, I just like, would like to add, uh, since you started supposed to be 11, I had to, you know, take care of, of some, you know, professorial duties. No. Yes, I look at five, 12, Sure. So, we're on an award winning podcast. So, whatever you're doing. Uh, right, right. For, for the hit. I got that's mortgage. Right. <laughs> no, no, that's right. I got mortgage. I can't do that. That's okay. I got to do, you know, do the calls. Yeah, most definitely. So, fellas, man, um, Joe, Joe, tell me how your, how your, uh, how's your week been, man? My, my, my week, I was waiting for the podcast. How about that? Yeah, all right. That, 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 that says everything, man. Um, so, Doctor Mark. Cunningham. No, no, no. How was your week? <laughs> no, no, no. See, no, no, man. See, see how we do? No, how, how, how was your week? Hey, my week was good, man. No, that ain't what you told me. So Hey, so yeah, so school was whooping my ass. Yeah. Man. So, okay. <laughs> so it started. I started back school to, uh, this week on Monday, man. Everything's oh. online or hybrid, whatever the fuck they want to call it, mm-hmm. but basically still online. Um, shit's kicking my ass. Uh, psychology, statistics of psychology, whatever you want to call it. That's the one that's gonna, you know, do me in. But um, other than that, man, it's been it's been good. But I, I had to tackle that this week, and that See, shit was rough, man. So I'm glad that first initial week is over with. So I got a, I got kind of uh, acclimated with everything I needed to do, man. So everything is everything's everything. And then you know, uh, a lot of my classmates, we got this group text going oh, on through some app and shit. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna they're gonna take me to the promise, man. So I'm good. <laughs> so 
Dr. Cunningham, uh, Dr. Right. Mark Cunningham. Yes. So how was your week, man? My week was busy. I, uh, you know, I taught four classes this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm teaching this semester, uh, you know, teach radio, uh, television, film, or film and media study classes at uh, ACC, Austin Community College. Okay. And uh, so this semester, you know, I taught, I'm teaching media literacy and intro to radio, television, and film. And I'm teaching uh, two film classes, one focusing on black American cinema and the other on the new Hollywood cinema period that's from about roughly 1967 to 1980. So nice. that's what I did this week. And uh, yeah, I did some other stuff. I've got my fingers crossed. I got hopefully coming maybe a pending book uh, contract oh, with work, uh, Columbia University Press. So, so yeah, so that's what, I, that's what happened to me this week. Did you, did you so, guys just pick so, that up? What? So, so basically, me and Joe got to step our shit up. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, what? I mean, people that make you feel like you ain't did nothing with right, your right, 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 right. <laughs> what did you do? Well, I have problems thinking out the cereal. Right. Today. That's oh, facts. Man. You know what? Before we get, because you already gave me a lot of ammo, which you're nah. my cousin, so I okay. already got a lot of ammo. <laughs> but we have a segment called I'm Trying to Get to Heaven, but. Oh. So can you tell us something? It could be this week, it could be, you know, the month. Something mm-hmm. that almost would stop you from getting to heaven that just got on your nerves. Gluttony. Dog, <laughs> let, let me tell you. I ain't that one like the seven deadly sins that like you ain't supposed to be eating up mother, every motherfucking yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, so, yeah, you know, I, so you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have some mercy on myself first. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm some mercy. gotta have some mercy on myself first. I mean, so you know, I mean, not to make things maudlin, but you know, my mother passed, uh, uh, you know, Christmas after Christmas or whatever else, and so I would just like to blame it on grieving, uh, but. <laughs> Hold on, don't be no, using no, ASAP. No, 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 when you want a cheeseburger. I would like to blame it on breathing. No, it boiled cheeseburger, you know, pasta. So we got, you know, and, and I'm like, and I'm not really like one of those people like I go and eat, like I don't really eat fast food and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But like I would like eat like a big ass tub of, you know, just spaghetti and marinara, you know, or ice, you know, Amy's ice cream delivering to the house. That to me, that <laughs> she, and that she will deliver at nine o'clock at night. I mean, that's the number to be that, that is just pestilence from Satan. <laughs> you know, to have it just at your doorstep like that. You know, just yeah. coming like that. Yeah, yeah. And then you and you know how you just ain't gonna be right. You know, you're sitting up there, you really you know, and I bought a row machine that you know, it took me a month to put together. Actually I didn't put it together, I paid somebody to put it together. As you should. Uh, and, yeah, I would have put it together for you. Yeah, I did. It took me a whole month. And I don't. Yeah. Hold on. Before you go any further, that was a what of Satan? The pestilence from Satan. It is. It's pestilence from Satan. It's to just deliver at people's front door like that. And DoorDash and all this. I've been eating a lot more. Now, I will try to fix it up. Eat sprouted bread. That Ezekiel bread, Jesus bread. I eat that. You know, it'll try to fix it up or whatever else. I'm going to say, it's just mostly like. Like lack of activity and carbs. If I would just quit that, because I don't eat sweets and cake, that well, ice cream, but cake, no. Yeah, you yeah. know, that shit pie, no, no, food. Yeah. I like one, like, <laughs> you know, chicken wings and spaghetti, and I'm like, yeah. First of all, Amy's ice cream, I just want you to know that was my cousin Mark that said that. <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, you can get to that. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking bad about it. Look, I'm talking about some sponsors, Amy. I'm not even talking bad about Amy. I'm saying the shit is so good that for it to be just delivered with ease at your front door like that. (laughs) 
That's not helping any of us. No, right. Like, that's fine. That's fine. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, what's been going on lately that may cause you not to get into yeah. heaven? Oh, man. I don't even know you. So, so. Uh, yeah, exactly, man. There's always going to be something deep with me, man. So, um, this week, for sure, um, just, you know, man, th these cops, man, they really, they, they've really been on one lately, man. So, um, what's, the name, what's the name? Jacob Blake? Blake Jacob? Jacob Blake. Jacob man. Blake? Jacob yeah. Blake, man. Like, yeah. seven shots in the back. There was like six to seven cops on the scene. Um, they gunned him down in front of his children, his children yeah. in the car. Um, so just that in itself, man, like, it, so for, for all of you who don't know, the listeners who don't know, I am a former military police officer in the United States Air Force, okay? So we're trained on deadly force, we're trained on all that, hand-to-hand -hand combat, all that shit. So I, I, like, just like I told a guy on, on social media uh, the other day, if myself and six of my homies pulled up in the patrol cars mm -hmm. with a guy who is unarmed, right, and we can't subdue him, the six of us could, cannot get him under control before he reached his car. We do not need to be fucking cops. So the bottom line is those cops that did that to him were fucking cowards. Because the the ironic thing about this whole situation is like um, there was a guy, a kid, 17-year-old kid who killed two protesters, shot another yeah. one. So the, the, the thing about it is, is that our black skin is more intimidating than a 17-year-old white kid with an AR-15. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he shot those people and walked right by those cops. And then he was arrested the next day. Right. So my man, Jake, Jacob Blake, mm -hmm. right? My mm -hmm. man, Jacob Blake, single black man. They said he had a weapon or had a weapon in the car, but he didn't even reach his car. But the point of the matter I'm making is there were six or seven cops on the scene. And they could not take him down without using deadly force. So... It's like, and they shot him in the back. That's the other thing. Like, they shot him in the back seven times. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get to heaven, <laughs> but these police officers, man, like, we need police reform expeditiously. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that shit, that shit needed to happen. Yes, I don't know what we're going to do because we're talking about all the training and all this good shit. But here's the thing, man. Like, they can say whatever they want to say. But like I said, former military police officer, United States Air Force, right? We deal with shit like that on a regular basis. Cops deal with shit like that on a regular basis. Uh, one unarmed man who wasn't causing harm to no one was actually walking away from them. They couldn't subdue him. They couldn't, they couldn't get, you know, they were saying, well, they tased him one time. He got away. But, okay, there's six of you guys there. But they're so scared and they're so threatened by this, our skin color, that all of them, instead of using their hands, they got their hands on their fucking weapons. So they, they, they can't subdue him or grab him because... They act like we're fucking incredible Hulk that we're going to be able to take down six fucking officers. It's disgusting. It's uncalled for. That shit got my blood boiling. Mm -hmm. I know we, I know we, you know. Hey, but yeah, you act. Yeah. Hey, so I'm trying to get to heaven, yeah. but these motherfucking cops out here, well, these coward you. ass cops. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, man. Like, yo, that's right. it. We're gonna pick them back up, though. Yeah, like, no, yeah. I, you know, pick the spirits well, back I'm up. Glad you yeah. said that. Yeah, no and doubt. So I guess. My perspective would be about the kid with the AR-15. Okay. So I read where a lot of people are putting that kid as a patriot. Okay, come on. Yeah, yes. And yeah. I'm going to knock that theory off. I believe in holding up the law, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, this kid wasn't from there. Facts. Yeah. I think holding up so, the state. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the problem with people that talk about Antifa, they say Antifa comes into these cities right. 
causing these issues, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. Right. But here comes this kid that's not from that city, not from that state. Right. And they say he's trying to uphold the law mm -hmm. at 17 years old. Right. First of all, he wasn't paid by anybody to uphold the law. Mm -hmm. He came from a city trying to do justice himself. Right. Mm -hmm. And because he was on the what they would consider the right side, right. they look at it as a hero. Mm -hmm. You know, that kid's a vigilante. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we call those. Yeah. And what, what's crazy about it is, is that this kid's parents allowed this kid to do this. Right. What society do we live in where you would send your 17-year-old boy who's not trained in combat? Right, exactly. Who knows nothing about combat, exactly. hasn't been to war, and you put him into an area that you even feel hostile enough to have an AR-15. Right. Like what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, <clears throat> the people that are applauding him and call him a patriot. Another thing you want to point out is if these people were protesting breaking curfew, wasn't he breaking curfew? Right. right. Mm -hmm. So what was he doing out there? Right. Yeah. And being a 17 at, at that. And more importantly to the fact, too, the fact you know, he was underage carrying a AR-15. AR yeah. <laughs> like uh, he automatically he was in the wrong. Right, if automatically. Fact, right? Even, if, if, even fact, if it was a, if, if it was seven p.m. Right. Yeah. If in fact if someone had said, had asked him, the police officers who had he had come in contact with right. said, right. "Hey, can we see your ID?" Right. They could have arrested him right there on the spot, and all of this would have been prevented. Right. Yep. But he was able to not only do what he did, but walk away yeah. from the police with his hands up, thinking, "Oh, they coming to get me," right. and then bam and back, and then makes it all. And, the and way that's home. what I'm saying is, is that before he's arrested, right. the excuse was he was defending himself. How are you defending yourself in an area that you don't belong in, that you're not from? Mm -hmm. Those people in those businesses didn't pay you, didn't ask you to be there. Mm -hmm. You chose to be there. So the only thing about the whole the self-defense thing, um, I believe, this is just what I believe in just with my training and all that good shit, is that I think he is going to get, I think he is going to be able to get away with it being self-defense because there's a video out there showing that there was a mob of people running after him and then he tripped or fell over or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he turned around and there was a guy, one of the guys, I don't know, but there's like three people like around him, but one of the guys was, was said to have been trying to reach for the weapon and un yeah. unarm him. Now we are not psychologists, so we're not we, we can't be able to, we're not going to be able to tell yeah. what his mindset was. But him, if if it was him in that mindset, he can say, "Well, I was at fear for my life. Mm -hmm. There was a mob fucking chasing yeah. me. I fell down when I looked up. They were mm -hmm. all coming towards me." So he's going to get off yeah. with that. So just listeners, just beware. Like he, he's going to get that, off with that. That's right. my point. I don't yeah. blame him as a seventeen-year-old. Right, right. Most I blame most. his parents. Oh yeah, most definitely. There is no reason your most child definitely. should be out in another state or city. Trying to enforce the law. Yeah, his parents should be locked up. Yeah. I blame him too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I blame, yeah. I blame, yeah. I blame I, him. Too. I blame him. But because at seventeen, I know there was a lot of crazy stuff that I did under the influence. Right. But see, and this is. But here's the here's the thing. So, Khalif Browder, right? Mm -hmm. They arrested my man Khalif Browder for for on suspicion of stealing a backpack, yeah. um, and had him in Rikers Island for four, yeah. three and a half to four years. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. without a fucking trial date, mm -hmm. a court date, a conviction, anything. Right. right? So, and, and he was underage when he went in there. Yeah. I, I believe, yeah. So, <laughs> the fact that so we're looking at that, mm -hmm. and then we're looking at this kid. Who, uh, I don't know his name. Whatever this white kid. Howard so, House. Yeah, that kid. We're looking at him, and we're gonna see how these cases like play out. You know what I mean? And then on the, on the, at the same token, um, 
someone posted up today uh, to New York uh, New York Post uh, of Trayvon Martin and of this kid, this this seventeen year old kid. Yeah, or was it, was it Tamir it was Rice? Tamir Rice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So um, Tamir Rice, you know, he got gunned down for the for the fake gun for yeah, the fake fake gun. Years old. Twelve years old, gunned down, fake gun. Yeah. Um, in a matter of not even a minute, yeah. they gunned him down. The cops did, right? And then this kid, like I said, he shot these three people, hands up, walked by the cops, went on home and laid their rest. I mean, laid mm-hmm. down. And then you know the cops came and got him the next day. But the other thing they were saying is, like when Trayvon Martin got killed, right? Trayvon Martin had to be happened to be seventeen years old when he got gunned down by Zimmerman, right? Um, when they posted his stuff, it was. The laundry list of the bad things that he might have done in school, and the, the, the maybe he had some drug uh, paraphernalia. But they put pretty much they painted him in his bad news all over the media. This white kid, they're like, oh, he is a former uh, junior police cadet. Um, he 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 was at the uh, protest cleaning up. They had a picture of him cleaning up uh, spray paint off the wall. They're basically, they they paint him his picture of being this nice, great kid, and it's like. They say black people, black people are out here getting blamed for getting murdered, <laughs> for for themselves getting murdered. We getting the blame for it. And it's just it's all around, it's all around fucking disgusting. The shit is annoying, and there we are. So yeah. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> my bad, dog. Drake <laughs> goes down these rabbit holes. Hey, my bad, dog. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I try never to go down these rabbit holes. I, 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 I got to talk. First of all, I got this guy named Fidel Castro <laughs> hat on. For sure, he, he really does. Go down deep. <laughs> he really does. And the crazy thing, I'm the military. I used to be the military. <laughs> right, right. Dre. Anyway, Dre. Yeah, yeah, man. Yo, so hey, I'm trying to get to heaven with the cops and these people. <laughs> They're making it hard for me, man. So yeah. God, Salute to my people, man. Y'all yeah, keep on uh, fighting the good fight. Shout out to the um, Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, I was about Bucks to scratch well. this dude off because the name is Ice Cream, and here you go, man. <laughs> my man, man, I'm trying to tell you, man. Uh, shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks, man, which I did. I was major too, so um, yeah, good shit. So anyway, Joe, go ahead, man. Let's let's go. Couple Joe with Dre, episode number twelve. Doctor Mark Cunningham is in the building. We hey, we gonna we gonna lift this shit back up, man. I know, I know we had got a little deep right there, but we gonna we gonna pick oh, it back up. Oh, this nigga here, boy, he wanna march on the mic every time. God dang, man. Hey, Martin, we didn't put the silver. My bad, oh, my, my bad, quick. my bad, man. We, we, we gonna, hey, hey we, we about to have some fun with it. As I play with it, it is it is necessary. Nah, I mean, we'll we'll probably have my cousin on here because we. We've been kind of holding back on having a, a topic about uh, racism. Yeah, most definitely. We need some white people in the building. I mean, don't be offended, white people, but we need some of y'all in the building so we could. Yeah, no, we can't be offended. This, like, this open, this just got to be a conversation. conversation. Yeah, That's we the need problem. Some conversation. People are afraid to have conversations. Yeah, yeah. The whole point of us having this podcast is yeah. for people to have dialogue. Yeah, most definitely. And express themselves open and honestly. Like, if we had somebody up here as an uh, Aryan nation, I'm not going to bring you on here yeah, to beat no, you no, up. No, but no, I want to no, get no. your psychological yeah, thinking. Exactly. Is, like, too. how can you look at somebody? Exactly. Because I really want to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to come. Where did that come from? A, a place of you were taught that? Right. Was it nature? Was it nurture? Right, 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 I don't right, know. Right, right. Hey, what is? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, deep here, man. Like, we're gonna Joe, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. Man. New drugs. <laughs> hey, anyways, so my cousin Bart, which again, I appreciate you coming out. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you being here live mm-hmm. in the COVID free. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Being in the uh, building, but um. Knowing about you, mm-hmm. and not so much the family issue, but 
Here is somebody, and just to give you like a little bit about him, single parent home, South Dallas, and now is accredited with a PhD, speaks on many forms, mm-hmm. movies, film, all, all kind of things. Kind of tell them a little bit, our listeners, a little bit about you. Like, mm-hmm. because that, I, me and you had talked about this before, but mm-hmm. a lot of people hear about the person that comes out of the environment that you came mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. and they hear about the drug things, but they don't hear about like the, the success stories. The success yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, lessons uh, have to do with sports. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I come from, you know, South Oak Cliff area, Big Dallas, yeah, is where I'm from. And you know, but I, you know, this is something we talk about at my barbershop a lot as well too. Is that, you know, you know, when we're when we're kind of listening to kind of some of what you know, for lack of a better word, kind of more hard scrap stories about coming from environments like. You know the Magnolia Projects in Louisiana, mm-hmm. coming from Southside Chicago, mm-hmm. coming from Oak Cliff, coming from the wards in Houston, etc., so forth to the South Central Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always kind of more of these kind of more nihilistic, you know, type uh, tales that we hear mm-hmm. or stories that we hear about. You know, kind of like you said, you guys said violence or whatever else. And you know, and who's been to jail and prison or whatever else, but yet, you know, coming from that same environment, what I often find is to be more of a struggle is somehow uh, a story of someone who maybe not didn't go down that path, maybe went down the other path. Somehow, when we're having these kind of larger discussions, particularly in the climate in which we were in now, mm-hmm. right, that you know, those stories are getting like, like my own are diminished in some way. Like that's not like, mm-hmm. as if there was like an exception of some sort. When really in actuality, it wasn't. Like my mother was at work. You know, mm-hmm. I was a single parent home. I'm an only child. I was home by myself a lot. Uh, but you know, I read a lot. I did things to entertain myself. You know, I was no saint, right? I was no angel, but you know, but there was a healthy fear. There were things that I knew that my mother expected of me and things that had to get done. Uh, you know, and I had, you know, looking out for myself and taking care of myself was one thing my mother didn't have to worry about. But she, but at the same time, right, what's really interesting about it is that she equipped me to be able to do that. Like, so it's like at eight years old, like, come in here and let me show you how to iron these clothes because I'm not ironing your more jeans. Come in here and let me show you how to make these eggs because I'm not cooking any more breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, come in here and let me show you how to do, you know, and so she, you know, come in here and let me show you how to change the tire. Let me show you how to change the oil because you never know when you get in trouble. You know, and this is the my mother taught me how to do. And, you know, and, and, and my mother was extremely hard on me. And we talked about this before she passed, you know, kind of talking about, you know, maybe my mother was a little bit too hard sometimes. But at the same time, though, the older I've gotten, right, I, I respect her for what she did because I look at what I'm able to do now at my age, and you know, I just turned 50 last month, last week. And so, you know, I'm able at this age to, I've looked at what I've been able to accomplish and what I've been able to do across my life, you know, you know, uh, six years in the Marine Corps. I always say if my mother had not raised me the way she had, I wouldn't have been able to make it in Marine Corps boot camp. But had I not gone to Marine Corps boot camp, I wouldn't have been able to write a dissertation to get my PhD. You know, so it's like all of these things build and make you into the person that you are. And it doesn't mean, you know, that because this happened to me, and I have a lot of friends that I grew up with that went down the other path, mm-hmm. been to prison, are in prison, things like that. But that doesn't make me better than them. Right. Right, and I've never felt like that, right? But it, but it, but I do think 
it's important for us to realize that they, in fact that there are all kinds of stories that come out of places like where I'm from and where other people are from. And I think all of those stories uh, kind of, you know, really kind of speak to this way, right, with this kind of notion or idea that we have that particularly in some of like the fear that you were speaking of about why these police officers are attacking right this uh, young black men and to certainly attacking black women uh, with a roast with this idea right that there's this kind of monolithic black person or monolithic notion or idea of blackness and we're not all the same right but there is this kind of one idea that we are all someone to be feared right and when you see me on the street there's nothing on me that says professor phd right, right. You know, was a good kid. Never right, been right. in prison. There's nothing on me right. that says that. So I think that in even amongst ourselves, right, that we need to value all of those stories. So when we kind of uplift all of those stories, you know, it at least gives us a chance, right, to kind of present a kind of more multifaceted, more kind of you know, multifaceted, you know, version of blackness mm -hmm. uh, that we could, you know, not version, but just yeah. multifacetedness that is blackness actually. Yeah, it's funny too. And the kind of piggyback of what you're saying is, is that I also how they paint these environments. Mm -hmm. I've been to your house several times, mm -hmm. growing up, being young, and even being older. Mm -hmm. And South Dallas, the way they picture it or paint it, mm -hmm. isn't like what it is on TV. No, like your area where you live in is predominantly black and Hispanic. No. Everywhere you turn, right? But I have never felt threatened mm -hmm. in that area. I never felt like, mm -hmm. and even though you can look at the picture, there's maybe some rundown cars yeah. here or there. There, there may be some homes with boards on mm -hmm. it or something like that. Right. But I never felt threatened. I never felt unsafe. I right. never felt like, and it wasn't because your mom was there. It right. wasn't because, like again, because if I wanted to go outside, mm -hmm. walk around. Nobody was like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So the, thinking about what media and portrays the area, mm -hmm. do you think they give also a bad notion of like these black and Hispanic communities, you know, um, in the environment that they're in? Yeah, I mean, I think that's true of, of, of all of those spaces, right? I mean, when you think about something like, uh, I mean, something I think, you know, I, I deal with in my research and talking about South Central Los Angeles, right, and places like that, is that there are nice lawns there, and there are people that are taking care of their houses, they're like, you know, it, it's a neighborhood, families live there, right, over else, and the same thing is true uh, with where, you know, I'm from in Oak Cliff, right, and you're right, I mean, you can walk around out there, whatever else, ain't nobody no fool. You know, don't be no fool. We ain't saying yeah. me your nose on a lot. Yeah. yeah, we have, you know, straight up shootouts with, you know, with the red beams coming through the house and everybody got mm -hmm. on the ground. Yeah, we've had those moments too, but that's not what it is every day, right? I mean, we get the idea, I just think, uh, just in general, right, that, I, that places like that are these just day in, day out, mm -hmm. you know, war zones. Uh, and in fact, they aren't, right? And I think a lot of that is, you know, glamorized in the media but certainly i think in narrative kind of fictional media a lot of times it's certainly or you know that we look at or whatever else we see things like they get glamorized but that's done for the sake of being able to push forward that narrative to entertain you to hold your attention but in fact if if you came to you know to oak cliff for me or whatever else and, and you kind of like chronicled like what a week in my life there when i was a kid you'd probably be bored as hell yeah you know because, <laughs> because you know 
when the shootout gonna happen? Right, right, right. It ain't gonna happen. Right, right, right. Right. You know, you know, but you know, we we did have those moments though. Like, I mean, like just I mean, recently, like uh, my mom would be sitting up at the house or whatever else, and my mom would go, "Oh shit, them niggas shooting again." <laughs> you know, and I was like, "Yo," and we didn't. I mean, but it was like an afterthought. Right, 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 we just didn't even. Right. Didn't we didn't think anything yeah. about it. It was right. like, "Oh shit, get under the bed." Right, like, right. no, nobody. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't even like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And Drake can attest to this. Like, so we're from Colleen. Right. And for a long time, the field where they were trained military was kind of close to your home. Yeah, most definitely. Like, especially where I mm-hmm. lived, we lived in a new, like, lower middle class area. Yeah, so, yeah. And so they were just rebuilding the area in Willow Springs. So you would hear the cannons go right. off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would shake your house literally. Yeah. And at mm-hmm. first, you're kind of like, Oh man, yeah, that's yeah. something deep. But then after that, you just like, oh, I'm you, sleeping. Yeah, you become numb Fantastic. to it. Fantastic. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. if you didn't hear it, it yeah. was almost yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 Most uh, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. I just wanted to say that because, like, no, no matter when I was in Oakland, when I lived in Oakland, mm-hmm. or DC, or South Dallas, or wherever, mm-hmm. Houston, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? These, these areas that people painted as these war zones right. mm-hmm. were really just people just a part of a community Absolutely that right. stuff sometimes just happened to exactly. happen. Right, right, you know exactly, what I mean? Right. But that same exactly. stuff happens to happen in everywhere. Right. Absolutely. 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 You know? For sure. Yeah. So, don't be no fool. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. no. Don't like me. Don't like, oh, hey, can you watch my purse? You know, <laughs> <laughs> shit, what the hell is you doing? You know, you know, yeah, 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 you know, but yeah, I mean, like you say, it's just, yeah, everyday living, man. So, sure. what made you decide to get in the Marines? Because you didn't get in the Marines to leave South Dallas. No, I didn't. I joined the Marine Corps for college money. Uh, and to be honest with you, you know, I went to a magnet school. I should have gone to the arts magnet. I went to the health magnet in Dallas. But, you know, I mean, I've always primarily read a lot, whatever, and wanted to be a novelist. And then later on, would get in. I mean, I've always been into movies, but legit, like, wanted to write screenplays and, and do movies and stuff later in my life. And so... You know, then what happened with that was, is, uh, you know, the magnet school, you know, the school that I went to, legit, like somebody should have, you know, there's no reason in the world, right, the military should have been out front where we were in school. Like, we right, should have right, been, right, right. there should have been, you know, Harvard and all these right, other right. stuff like that. But it just didn't happen that right, way. Right. Like, they legit was, like, encouraging us. So my classmates, we are still really close, and we talk about this. Like, they were pushing us to go to community colleges right, or whatever right. else, and they were really only kind of dealing with the top 10% right, right. or the top 10 students. They weren't really fucking with the rest of us like right. that. So, you know, here's the military out here. I joined the Marines, and, of course, you know, I probably should have done what you did, right? I should have gone to the Air Force. That probably would have been better. So I have a friend now. My friend Jeremy is a full bird colonel in, oh, in the Air Force. Right. And I'm going, like, making good money, going real well, whatever else. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I should have done that. But I went to the hardest branch, yeah, yeah. only child, so completely out of my wheelhouse. So, right? but, but, so what made you choose the Marines? My Uncle Lewis was in the Marines. Okay, okay. And go. and okay. so my dad's bro- my, my dad's younger brother, my Uncle Lou was in there. And I was like, oh, man, shit, I'll be like Uncle Lou. I'm going to be yeah, in the yeah. Marines. My dad was in the army, uh, but my dad and I, you know, we weren't really close, but I'm really, really close to my dad's side of the family, incredibly close to my dad's side of the family. And, you know, I mean, so I'm I'm gonna be like, Uncle Lou, and I'm gonna go to Marines, and no idea what that meant, like what went with that. Man, shit, that first day, man, (laughs) we we the boot camp, and they turned the lights on us and throwed that damn trash can down the, uh, (laughs) yeah, 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 down the bed. Down the bed, like, oh, Lord, you know. Well, yeah. 
I mean, and, and but you know, I was but the thing about the Marine Corps, even though you know I did my time, I was a reservist, so I did okay. my six years and, and and got out, you know, because like I said, the goal was you know to go to college right, right. or whatever else. Uh, didn't get the the money that I thought I was going to get mm-hmm. out of it. None of that occurred. I mean. The Marine Corps kind of helped me like later at, at this stage in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to get a, you know the VA loan for my house and all that oh, other yeah, stuff. Right, yeah, I didn't have yeah. to pay, so it came in handy for that. But you know, it's an experience, even though it might not have been the best one. I was not the best soldier. It just <laughs> you know, I mean, I got an honorable discharge. You know, right. I finished boot camp. Like, like I wasn't like the worst one, but I mean, but I wasn't like no you know gung ho. You know, you know, you know. And in fact, right, you know, when I tell people I'm in the Marine Corps, like my mom's Larry look, they go like, that shit didn't take, did it? I'm like, you know, you know, but, and you know, like it's funny, because you know, they say, every, every Marine, I'm no fucking crazy, you know? Yeah. Said, but, but, it, but you know, I always say that it does something to all of us. Like, I got, like, fucking serial killer OCD. Like, if you go to my house, like, all of the damn... Uh, labels is turned to the front. Oh, yeah. I got okay. all wood yeah, yeah. Uh, hangers in yeah, my. Yeah, yeah. It, it did that to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I could like turn some. I'm gonna try to leave it there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was. Yeah. You know, so it did yeah, that yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. But at the same time, though, even though it's nothing I would do again, I wouldn't trade that experience yeah, yeah. for anything because that. the people that I met, the mm-hmm. I got tr- like some of the best advice in the world from brothers in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, Stuff that I still live today on, like what? Like what? I said, I got my my favorite piece of advice uh, I got in the court is from my my man Rich uh, Lewis. One time I was like, he's like, I was talking to another. He's like, damn. He's like, they call me Ham because Ham. He was mad because my last name's Cunningham. They call me Ham. Ham, and he was mad at the Marine Corps that day. So I I was bitching my son. I don't know. We was cleaning our fucking weapons and in the squad. I mean, in the uh, drill hall and. I was complaining about something. My boy Rich said, damn, man. Sometimes you just gotta let a nigga make it. <laughs> and I said, boy, it was like, ping. My fucking light came on. And I yeah. said, and so shit. I've been living, I said, damn, you gotta let niggas. Now I've been letting niggas make it ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, it was just good ass advice, yeah. right? You know, and yeah. so had I not, you know, taken that road, right. it, there are things I wouldn't have learned, yeah. you know, and so, but I learned some things about myself. I mean, and it's so funny, like, even though I was doing that, like, I would take, we would go to our two-week drill. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, had gotten into, I'd been exposed to, you know, introduced to Tony Morrison. That was my favorite author now. And I was reading Tony Morrison novels, and I took some of the Solomon with me, one drill. Did another drill, I took the bluest eye with me. And I remember, like, man, we would, like, like literally, like, three of us brothers was reading these books at the same time. So I'd bring books, and, like, i go to my, uh, you know, i go to my uh, Night Watch or whatever else, and then Sergeant Carroll would read it, then Sergeant Carroll would go, and the Corporal so-and-so would read it, yeah, and it was my turn to read Like, so... Good, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and, some, and I'll tell you what, I, some of the most voracious readers in the world I've, I've ever seen in the world were in the Marine Corps, in the military. Yeah, yeah. Some of the, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the biggest readers I've ever seen were in the Marine Corps, in, like, say, in the military. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to expo- have that exposure, so, and it was like kind of a jump, like, you know, I was always like, you know, I was in theater and stuff in college, whatever else, and I was doing dramatic interps. I was always re- re- like repeating, you know, practicing my lines and shit. They was making fun of me. It's like, God damn, hell, we trying to fucking stay awake and you over here fucking repeating Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let <laughs> down your long hair and shit. You're like, they were like making fun of me and all that. But you know, I mean, it was clear that I was not like supposed to be there. Right, right, the right. motherfuckers like really yeah. like, they embraced, you they embraced me for that yeah. shit, you know, yeah. and like now that's like, 
the running joke. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, I tell you what else too with the Marine Corps too. Before I went to Marine Corps, I never cursed at all. Oh yeah, never yeah. darn yeah. dang. Oh, shit, I wouldn't say. Man, yeah, please, I got the military and a fuselage. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, it changes. I start cussing like a, like a champ, That's Jay. Yeah. I can string it together. And, and we all know Dre is loving that. Yeah, 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 you know what is funny too and i'm glad you brought that up yeah. because in the marines you you like you felt like you didn't fit in but then right. you ended up fitting in yeah i also feel like at the time you were like that in society even in our family mm-hmm. like you didn't fit in because you were doing all of this this other stuff yeah. like even the degree you got yeah like but now full yeah. circle yeah it's like you were a genius oh fuck. you know what yeah. i mean like especially yeah. because now in the climate and society we're yeah. in you're the one having the conversation oh, while everybody wow. else is trying to figure it out wow yeah. and so you know mm-hmm. that was one big thing because even me being younger when mm-hmm. i found out you were a doctor i was like oh man he does medical <laughs> and they were like, no. And I was like, oh man, uh, what does he do? Uh, you know what I mean? And so right. they were trying to explain it to me, mm-hmm. and I didn't get it until, you know what I mean, we got older. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, started yeah. understanding, yeah. like, okay, this uh-huh. is what he does. Look, mm-hmm. what, what do I, I'm trying to figure out what I want to, how I want to ask you or something. Like, uh-huh. being different in all of these different wow. settings. Mm-hmm. Like how how had that made you feel? Yeah, and then full circle now, it all coming back to being man. Sex. That's a good question. Like I mean, because even I, I, kinda, family, I felt like an odd duck, man. Even in my family, I feel like out of me, my brothers and sisters, I think we because your mother and my my father are so close. Yeah, yeah. We may not have seen, but you know, I know there's yeah. always been whispers that Mark is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't say what they say. They've been calling me a fag my whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. Calling me gay. Calling me, yeah, just gonna say what the fuck it is. Yeah. That's what they've been saying. Well, not even that, but just you're just different. Yeah. But yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, for the, the listeners, mm-hmm. like, my family's, you know, we have a, a background of uh, nigga stuff. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> of what? Of what? Of nigga stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Of niggas, don't get happy, Drake. Niggalation. Niggalation. Yeah, nigga stuff. You were different than that. And even even what's funny about that is we would feel the weight of it. Me and my brothers and sisters, when we would go to Dallas, we would feel the weight of it because people thought we had a better life than Mm -hmm. we really had. Mm -hmm. And in actuality, we we didn't. Right. It was just my father had got away from that area and he got in the military. Mm -hmm. And you know that provided a lifestyle for us. Well, and people always yeah. assume that because you're in the military, that somehow this windfall of money right. is coming in. Yeah, yeah. Like people, people mistake. It's the same thing that people think when you have a PhD that somehow all of a sudden I'm, I'm rich, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You, no, I'm out here working hard, motherfucker. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Go, go back to what we yeah. was just talking about. How yeah. did it make you? How did it make you feel? And now that you. Yeah, it's like redemption. I mean, you know, it's really interesting to kind of hear, like, uh, our cousin Audra always says about me, she said, we didn't know no better. We wouldn't think you had one degree. 
Because I, I you know, when I go around people, I don't I'm not oh, yeah, oh well the zooka You know, I mean now I'll say some stuff sometimes I'm like what in the hell is what does verisimilitude say? What does that mean? You know, I'll throw, throw that shit in there, but that's just me talking, right? Right. Uh but yeah, I mean you know the whole difference thing is I think some of it is I mean even when I was in film school, like I went to film school at UT and as an undergraduate, and you know in the situation of being the only black person in in those classes, or you know I, right now I'm on the team, I'm the only black person in my department, you know that, that teach, and you know so I'm, I've kind of gotten used to being the one, so to speak, or the only one in a lot of ways, right? And so even with the family or whatever, even my mom and I butt heads like that. My mom used to, my mom used to accuse me of. You know, thinking I knew everything, and I said, I, and, and it wasn't that I knew everything. It's just I read a lot, and when you read a lot, you just you get exposed to a lot of different things. And so there, there, they are. There are things that you know, and but what I had to learn is you don't always have to say something. Uh, and so that kind of helped me to be able to uh, navigate that terrain a little bit better. My grandfather told me that a long time ago when I was a younger dude, like. 10 or 11, he used to tell me all the time, my papa, my other side, my grandfather. I was saying, you were talking about. No, 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 he said, that go, oh, here come this old talking mark. You know, and it was like funny and shit, because like, yeah, I talked a lot, I still talk a lot now, right? But what I've learned over the years and like in remembering that advice and kind of, you know, not really knowing at first how to incorporate it in my life, but now I do, right? Is that, you know, I, I had, a, it was a point in my life where I felt like it was necessary to correct people. That this, this is the shit that people don't like. Right. So I stopped correcting people. I don't give people advice, and I do not give unsolicited advice. If you want to know what I think, fine, ask me, but I do not volunteer shit. I hear people say shit wrong all the time and sound right to me, yeah. <laughs> I don't say, you know, I, it, you know, because, you know, you know, it, it's almost like I felt like in a lot of ways, right, that I had to kind of prove to people that I was something mm -hmm. or that I knew stuff or whatever else. And, and, and in actuality, I, I, I don't have to do that. I didn't have to do that, right? But I think it was a way of kind of trying to compensate for uh, being the odd dog. But at that same token, right, Joe, when you hear people say that you're smart all the time, people have said that about me. I'm like, oh, Mark is smart. Mark knows so and so. So you feel like, okay, well, then people think this about you and you try to live up to it. But then when you do it, then you get ridiculed for it, you get criticized for it, and you get cut down for it. And so then you don't know what the hell to do, right? And so, and that caused a lot of friction between my mom and I. You know, we butted heads when I was younger about stuff like that. Because again, you know, it is stuff that I knew because I mean I was I was reading stuff like dude I was in junior high I was reading Stephen King books right you know I was reading you know Jackie Collins novels and in, in, in high school and I was way ahead of and just you know kind of all the things I was able to teach myself you know through reading and television and being able to decipher like that's what that is and that's what that is and you know and being able to kind of just you know pick it up you know I've heard people you know not. Not tooting horn, but you know, people said that about me. I was talking about oh, genius, blah blah blah. And I, I mean, I, I, you know, but when you're younger and you hear those things, I mean, my father even told me when I was a young dude, like I was about nine years old, and he said to me, You know, you have a way of making people not want to be around you because you act like you're so much smarter than they are. My, my dad told me that when I was nine years old. So when you're a nine year old kid, what do you do with that? Yeah, here's your dad saying basically in so many words, I don't want to fuck with you because. Right. Right. 
you know too much or you think you know too much or the appearance is you know too much. So, you know, man, being smart or being knowledgeable or being in these positions to do whatever else is always kind of been like a double-edged sword for me. Because on one hand, like I said, you're getting applauded for it. And on the other hand, you know, who, you know, who gives a fuck? Nobody cares. You know, so, uh, yeah, man. So that's kind of, I've gotten better with that the older that I've gotten. And, 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 and now, I, I, admittedly, man, I mean, as much as people say these things about me, I have terrible imposter syndrome. Like, I, I, I'm in, you know, I'm in situations where, like, even as a professor, you know, I doubt what I know all the time. I, 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 let me check. I, I'm always, stuff that I know I know, but I'll go and right. check and look before I say it anyway to make sure I'm right, right. you know. Or, you know, just, oh, yeah, they're going to fire me. Oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not good enough to be. These people know much more than I know. Oh, but that, I mean, it's a terrible imposter syndrome. And, you know, being in situations where I'm in, in my field, where I'm a circle of other black uh, scholars and whatever else and just legit man feeling like I'm not as smart as them I'm not as knowledgeable I don't know as much when and then uh, when I was doing getting my peer review for the book that I'm, 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 I'm writing the John Singleton book I'm doing uh, they literally told me on the paper literally I was holding back that I'm not giving my enough, myself enough credit as a writer you know literally, so I legit know that I'm doing that or the fact that my my uh, mentor uh, Dr. Beretta, Beretta Smith-Shamadi, who teaches at uh, Emory University, and Dr. Dr. Smith-Shamadi, Dr. Best, I call her, Dr. Best said to me, said to me one time, she said, you know what we're gonna start doing? I said, no matter what we're gonna start doing, she said, we're gonna start walking in our brilliance. Hmm. Because hmm. I wasn't doing it. I think you need to say that again, because yeah. I think yeah. even, yeah, for further, not, just, yeah. not just you, but a lot of, a lot of people, hmm. they will give kudos to themselves for how they dress, Mm -hmm. and how they look in front of people mm -hmm. and everything. But a lot of people are intimidated to say that I'm smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they'll dumb, and then a lot of people will dumb themselves down. Absolutely. Around, depending on who they're around. Yeah. Because yeah. they want to, you, we, well, I'm going to say we, yeah, we. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we want to make other people around us feel comfortable. Absolutely. So, yeah, Man. we do. And, and, and also, too, to be able, you know, to be considered as such, Right in a, in in a current climate where there's so much rampant anti-intellectualism, right? Yes. That people legit like announce with glee and pride. I don't read books. You're like, well, that really ain't nothing to be like. <laughs> right? Is this you, know, you shot yeah, at me? No, I was. <laughs> No, but but I'm talking about people legit yeah, like yeah. don't even fuck with no audiobooks. Yeah. Like they don't I mean that to me that is reading because you are absorbing yeah. just narrative. Just, just for the record, I have bad eyes, so <laughs> yeah. looking at a book it, 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 it just hurts my it I hurts. just already gave props to the audiobooks. Yeah. So you don't have to chase it with that. You make that I'm just saying. But it is this like rampant anti-intellectualism. We live in these people that don't want to research things, that want to just you know. And so when you come at people with kind of rational ideas, kind of rational thought, or let's hey, let's kind of like you know look at the entire scope of this or whatever else, people ain't legit. They don't want to hear that shit. No, they don't. Like, they don't no, yeah, they, they, you see that all day yeah. on social media. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, well, it's, I mean, I hear that all the time, mm -hmm. and that's that's why I don't talk politics. Because, mm -hmm. like, for me, yep. when you try to tell somebody that what they believe or what's been ingrained in them right. is wrong, right. and mm -hmm. you clearly state these facts right. that is wrong, mm -hmm. like, they go crazy. And that's on both sides. Because yeah, yeah, to yeah. me, I, 
I don't trust none of the government. Right. Yeah. And I don't think nobody should. I'm not saying not be patriotic. Yeah. I'm not saying not be American. Because I'm definitely yeah. not going to go live in Ghana or Nigeria. Right. Even though 37% yeah. Nigeria says yeah. my DNA test. Yeah. But, but they ain't asked you to come. Yeah, they ain't asked you to come. They're not wanting us. But again, like when I hear people that say, I'm I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, and you just stand on that, and even if your party member is the biggest POS of the planet, right. you would die behind that That's instead so of realizing and rationalizing and thinking this may not be the best choice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's mind blowing to me, man, because like I said, like like you was just saying, it's like to have an original thought backed up by research and yeah. facts. It's like because you're not going to, because you're not going with what everyone else is saying, right, yeah, and right. you have the audacity mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. research some shit, yeah. to look up some shit, to have knowledge of yeah. some shit, and have knowledge of self. Yeah. It's like no, that's frowned upon. It's like no, well, well, why are you not going with the grain? Why, right. why are you going against the grain? Who are you? Like, and do that as a black person with other black people. Uh-huh. If you're not saying, like for example, I'm gonna go put. Let me let me put this out here. Yeah, please do. Your viewers, your viewers, your viewers are gonna probably talk about me, but. I ain't on the Kaepernick bandwagon like everybody else is. And everybody's like, oh, I said, because it, I, I step back and look at the entire thing. Right. Kaepernick has not once said that I heard, legit heard, mm-hmm. that he even wants to play football. Yeah. Right. Second of all, everybody else is doing all this talking and pushing for his job. Kaepernick has laid back in the cut and been largely quiet, yeah. not said a word. Everybody else has been talking for him. Now, in that same token, right, he's grown this fro out, he's wearing these dashikis, and now he has this deal with Netflix, he's Disney, Mm -hmm. he's done all this, he made, you know, a deal with the NFL for an undisclosed amount that we don't know anything about, he can't say anything about, right? And my thing is, if you're so grassroots, and you're so down for earth, you went and made a business deal with one of the biggest media giants in the world, Mm -hmm. Disney. Disney. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, is a lot of what this is doing is self-serving, yeah. right? And it's it's not even about anymore, you know, what, you know, what this initially started to be about, right? And if you kind of like think about all the time, like, you know, here he is, you know you have this loophole and these clauses in your contract, you've kneeled on these people's soil. To be honest with you, I get the spirit of why he did it. I'm all for why he did it. But you did it at these people. It's like somebody coming in your house and saying, I don't like where you put your table. I'm going to put it over here. You can't go to somebody else's house and do that. He could have done He could have, could have done He could have gone to Central Park in the off season, got all them people together, invited Jay-Z, whoever he wanted to be invited. A shit ton of people would have come out there and he could have got that same message across. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, all this other stuff has gotten in the way. The NFL has been racist. We, look, look, come on. Yeah. Look, the damn combine looks like a slave auction. Yes. No, you, you absolutely. Right? I, mean, I mean, okay, man, no, no, we want to break that right. shit down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so we ain't, you know, we. this has never been, yeah. I mean, really, for sure, man, this has never been some bastion, right, oh, of, right. Of, of, of racial equality right. and uplift. It's never right. been that. Right, mm-hmm. so why everyone is acting so surprised that this mm-hmm. is what has happened? Let me tell you something. They would have shut that whole damn NFL down before they would have kowtowed. And you see, they didn't bend either. Right, yeah. right. they didn't bend. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, first of all, you got the right audience because I, I've said it and Dre said it before. Just like I believe in the Black Lives Matter mantra, mm-hmm. I don't believe in the organization. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know where that money's going to, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if if all black lives matter, you're gonna tell me this. That's mm-hmm. that's gotta mean black black women's gotta matter. Yeah. That's black black gays have gotta matter. Absolutely. Black oh. trans have gotta matter. Yeah, everybody's black, gotta matter. Black cops gotta matter. Exactly. Like it's gotta be an all encompassing thing. Exactly. You can't just say we're gonna pick and choose. So you're like, okay, okay another black man's been killed, mm-hmm. but you're not sticking up for Breonna Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. You you can't absolutely you, right. you can't see yeah. how many black people that are trans now. That have been beaten, right. been attacked, murdered, been murdered, murdered. and been killed, and if you're yeah. not, you're Say not, you're not marching for this. Exactly. Right? You can't just pick and choose yeah. who you want to uplift, exactly. and then want everybody to go behind yeah. that. Yeah. You know, it's it, true. It, it, but when you have these conversations yeah. with people, and this is the thing, I mean, my overall point was to kind of talk about the fact that when you come at people with kind of looking at all of those things, yeah. that all of a sudden you're Uncle Tom, or you falling right. in behind right. the white man, right. or you right. against the yeah. brothers, and, right. you're, and you're like, nah, I've been about this shit a long time ago, long before some of these people just got woke, right? right. right. These people that you're, I can't stand the word woke now, I hate it, right? <laughs> But, you know, and, and dealing with these people now who think, right, these young cats that think that everybody destroyed the movement before they got right, here, right. right? I mean, and, you know, and all of these symbolic gestures and stuff, right, that we're just kind of like, you know, black people in these situations, as soon as you hear a white person that's famous, whatever, say one thing that's in solidarity of black folks, oh, invite them to yeah, the yeah, cookout, right, fuck the right, cookout. Right, I'm yeah. fucking sick of the cookout, yes, too, right? Yes. This shit, right? So, but when you're kind of breaking it down and kind of looking at it from all angles, this is the shit that people don't want to do because people want to be mad about what the fuck they want to be mad about. They already got their minds made up about how they think about shit and they don't want to hear anything else. So the best thing you can do is to keep your motherfucking mouth closed until you're in a situation where somebody say, hey, what do you think? And I always tell people before I tell them what I think, do you know do you really want to know what I think? It's funny you said that. I remember the day I was working and the day, because I had a 11 o'clock shift, and I remember the day Obama first became president. Mm-hmm. And people were celebrating mm-hmm. and everything, and like people actually started looking at me because I'm sitting in my seat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I said, he, he, he in office, mm-hmm. now it's going to be what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, and if you know anything about even his office, and, and again, this ain't this ain't here to bash him. Right. But Trayvon Martin wasn't killed during Donald Trump's right, office. Right, right. He was killed during this office. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody speaks about the the Haitians mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. were put in the same encampment, mm-hmm. like like they did the, the, the Hispanics mm-hmm. right. on, on on Trump's watch. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So well, technically on Obama's watch too. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, better, you better stop. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Take this up, is not. Up. This is not a, no, but a that, punch. But when yeah. you bring those things, people act like you're trying to tear black people down, and you know or you're trying to tell these are bad. I'm not trying to tear anybody down. Right. Like you know what I mean. You haven't heard me never say one bad thing about Trump. Mm-hmm. You ain't never heard me say one thing about bad about Obama. But mm-hmm. I will tell you that his watch was a squeaky clean for black people right. and it was just a predecessor for what's going on now correct yeah yeah, yeah. you and, know and, what i mean and i echo um and i agree with both of y'all on both on both issues with and i've said these things so mm. i the obama thing like you know, i've i've told people how i felt about that administration mm. of 8 years and shit like that mm. and then when it comes to Kaepernick, i said the same exact thing mm. Um, because when when Jay when when Jay Z was catching all that backlash mm-hmm. when he said something about you know we're over kneeling or whatever the case may be, and that was my main point to my friends and the people that I was speaking to. It's like man, who gives a fuck what Jay is saying? Like Jay Jay, but but the thing 
the thing about Jay is Jay is actually doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Documentaries, Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. he did Khalif Browders. Mm-hmm. He's doing other things to bring awareness to this shit. My biggest problem with the Kaepernick shit is exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Like, say something. You haven't said nothing in four fucking years. Yeah, like, at all. That. That's my problem with yeah, him. Yeah, like, you're, there, you're, 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 the, you're the quote-unquote face of this yeah. new movement. Absolutely. And all you, uh, I mean, not say all you've done is take a knee, but it's like, yo, we need to hear your voice. What are you right. going to say? I haven't, like, like, like Mark just said, I haven't heard nothing from Colin Kaepernick in about four years. Well, here, here's the bad thing about it. And I have a problem with that. The guy right. that told him that deal, the Green Beret, fact, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does more talking about it right, than he does. He yeah, does. Uh-huh. Like, if he would have came we, around. No, we all do more talking about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I'm saying. Everybody talks for him. Yes. He doesn't have to say anything. Yeah, I'm like, he could have came man. easily out. Especially if he, if he didn't want the, the, the lash back, because I don't think he cares, from the military, right? Right. He got on national TV with the dude, the Green Beret, mm-hmm. and they would have discussed that, okay, he was just going to sit on the bitch. I told mm-hmm. him to kneel right, because I wanted you know to know that it's going to come off from Yeah. That would have put right. a lot of people's notions and ideas, but instead he just sat back. Yeah. And he let this snowball and, and again everybody else to clean it up. Right, but he's coming out smelling like a rose as a result. He's gotten all of this Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh you know, you he's, know he's really been kind of martyred. Well, yes, yes. Yes. I'll tell you what's been crazy is sure. how, how how different my man talks when he does talk. Oh, absolutely. Because uh yeah. was he born in Utah or something? I mean he was raised. No, nah, well he's Utah. adopted. He was yeah, adopted. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But he yeah. talks a whole different like well, that's yeah. what I'm saying, but even with the fro and all of that. All of this is really kind of it really is symbolic, right? Yeah. I mean, but then there are things, right, in terms of an intellectual standpoint that he doesn't know. Like, he goes to Florida and wears that shirt, right, I think, right, with Shane Guevara on it. With not realizing, you know, right. th- there are things that, you know, yeah. there are things that you're supposed to, like, be attuned to, and I don't think he is. I think he really, it appears to be, right, like, a lot of this stuff has been told, not necessarily uh, learned, but like, like yeah. he's researched it himself. He's things he's heard, right. told, yeah. things like that. I don't know the brother. Yeah. But I'm just saying, this right. is what my right. perception is. Right. I, I, so I, I, feel, I feel yeah. bad. Well, I don't. Because he's, he's getting paid. Absolutely. But <laughs> I think he went in with the right intentions. Mm-hmm. And like most things, it just snowballs. Got away like, from I him. think Obama, I think he had the right intentions. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when all of these people that have all of this, the real influence, yeah. start getting in, my man start graying. Well, the thing is with politics, period, right? Yeah. We must realize this is a game to be played, right? Right, and, and there's an order to things, right? right? And so, and, and he had, he, 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 they weren't going to get too rogue. He couldn't right. get too, he couldn't, right. he couldn't, he wasn't able to, right? And so, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, what you were saying to me about that, you know, it just in terms back to what you all were saying to me about the how I feel about it. I mean that that's kind of where I am right with the I'm, I'm on the wrong hat today I should have worn like a, my polo bear smiling hat I would have been a lot more joking man. no but I think it is no. still a hat joke but you ask me questions about right, myself right, yeah, right? Yeah. and this is you know you ask me about my you know what yeah. is it you know trying to be other different whatever else and, yeah no but yeah, I, mean, I, I just I asked that yeah. because I know how I felt mm-hmm. when I went to Dallas, mm-hmm. and I said, "If I'm feeling that way, mm-hmm. I wonder how he feels." Yeah. Well, you know, like again, especially with our family, we, yeah. we you know, without putting up the family business, we come from a family of. Yeah. I mean, you 
Well, yeah, they've done some things for sure. Done some things, and then you have to have yeah. you you they have to represent. Yeah, you have to represent a certain way, or if you don't, they're they gonna they're gonna talk they're gonna talk crazy about you. Yeah. And even if you do the right things, they're gonna talk yeah. crazy. Well, about well, you. here's the thing: somebody always gonna have something to say about yeah, what okay. you do. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that that's largely you know it. But you know, I've learned in this life. I mean, somebody was asking me the other day, like you know what. You're 50 years old. Like, how does it feel to be 50? And I'm just grateful to be here. You know, I'm, I'm the fact. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he like to hear that. <laughs> no, no. Well, shit. Who don't? Like, I remember. They, I mean, to be honest, I, mean, I can get a compliment from a goat. Nigga, I, 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 thank you so much. You know, I'll take it anywhere I can get. It, you know, that's right. Legit. So, I mean, but I mean, yeah, but you, you know, but I, I'm just grateful to be here. I mean, man, I'm burying. Students that I've taught, man, in mm. high school that are 27 years old, dying in car accidents and shit, you know, and, 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 you know, this issue that's this level of gratitude, man, which is something that I've learned, man, as, as I've gotten close to this age of being grateful, like stop comparing myself to other people, stop, you know, looking at, cause you know, whatever, whatever it is that I'm comparing myself to, whatever it is that they have, right? I don't know what struggles came with that. I might not want them struggles, right? Uh, but you know, we, we, we do that, you know, social media, I think is a culprit of that. Is it certainly not a culprit, but certainly, you know, uh, stems from that, of this, I always say kind of comparing our behind the scenes to highlight reels, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you see people living there, you know, nobody posts their miscarriage on Right. Uh, social media, right. but they will post their birth. Nobody posts. Right. Everybody posts that they lost a hundred pounds, but they don't post that they gained a hundred. Right. You know, right. you know. You, so you know, we're we're really you know putting ourselves in a bad situation. You know, but you know, but this notion again, I'm really focused on man is, is being grateful and 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 having gratitude and being thankful for what I have and to realize right that you know it might not be what I had in mind, but it's you know it's okay. You know. And this idea of putting limits on myself, right? I used to do that a lot. If I, okay, this doesn't happen by the time I'm 30, then fuck, it's over. Yeah. Okay, if it don't happen by the time I'm 40, mm -hmm. then it's over. And we have this pressure from the outside. Right. Reading have marketing articles that say, oh, the top, you know, the 30, uh, of, you know, the top 30, 30 year old, right, right, the right. top 40 or 40 yeah. and all that. And you get to this age and you haven't accomplished the things that you say you want to accomplish and then somehow you feel like, oh, fuck, I failed, right? Mm -hmm. But then you look at what you've done and that, that's what's important, right? To look at what you've done and say, you know, damn, you know, I'm healthy, I'm, I can walk around, I'm eating, I'm, I'm, I'm working every day, mm -hmm. I have a place to live, I'm not sleeping outside, right. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, in threatened of my life or that, you know, all this other stuff. and. And you know the shit becomes all right, and we have to. I, re I honor tremendously that we have to be okay with the places that we are, yeah. and and work from there, because and instead of trying to push and trying to make all these other sh you know all this other shit happen, you know what I mean? You know, and 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 really try to you know come into ourselves. You know, I was reading in, in you know Tana Hasi Tana Coates' book Between the World and Me, and he said something in that book that really struck me, and he talked about how he was coming down a sidewalk. And he said he saw a white, you know, some white kids and just running all over the sidewalk. And their parents, two moms, were sitting there talking, and the kids was running all over. He said, but they teach their children that they have free reign of everything. Mm -hmm. We teach our children, uh -uh, get out the way, don't be in folks' way, come on mm -hmm. to the side. And, 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 and so we learn very early to tuck and hide ourselves and not be in the way. And, and right. Place, and place limits on Yeah, it place limits on ourselves, right? It was because right, we know what our our, our our position, our status is in this culture, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, I, I what I want to work on, right, and, and for whoever else I come in contact with it too, is to take up all the fucking space on the sidewalk. You know, mm -hmm. all of it. That's the fucking ownership over all this shit, right, to the best of my ability, right? And and, and to be able to do that and, and, to, and, to, to, and to do that at 50. Yeah. Right? To take all the room on the damn side. Yeah. You know? And, and, and not get so bogged down. Like, there's some terrible shit happening in the world, man. For sure. Legit, there's terrible shit happening in the world. And, you know, but we can focus on that and we can focus on the pain of that and the trauma of that because it is it's traumatic. And 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 we're already all we're already living with that trauma. We already had that shit. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, to be able to, you know, it's kind of like you know, like not to be cliche, you know, like pop man, I mean, it rose from the concrete. We got all this fucking concrete. Right. We need to kind of man come out of that and right. kind of come into that cells and really look at, you know, who our true selves are. You know, we're trying to. You know, one of my favorite quotes in the world. I always find a way to. Anytime somebody asks me to do something like this, I always uh -huh. find a way to try to put this quote in there. But you guys know about uh, the great, the poet, Audre Lorde, the great poet, essayist, Audre Lorde, makes this comment. And she made this statement in the essay that she wrote. The master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Hmm. Right. And so we're trying to take the very things, right, that they have used to build this infrastructure and we're gonna tear it down with that, ain't gonna work. Right. So we need to do things like fucking own the fucking sidewalk. Mm -hmm. We gotta do all this other shit, right? To be able to uplift ourselves. That's how we dismantle the master's house. By coming to our own. Don't focus so much on the trauma. Yeah, they're killing us, they're doing all that. I'm not saying not to protest that. I'm not saying not to say anything. I'm not but push for the ask for up uh, for shit right. besides symbolic gestures. Right. What, you know, doing things and also going into our neighborhoods and 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 mentoring our children, right? Giving, doing things like that, uplifting our children. You know, what, however you can do it, cleaning up your neighborhoods, man. You know, taking old old black folks, old Hispanic people, taking them and and, and then going to the grocery store, doing their shopping for them, do shit like that, man. That's how we dismantle the master's house. We sit over here begging them, like Malcolm X says that shit, the political philosophy of black nationalism, right? That we'll let anybody come into our neighborhoods and control the businesses, control the housing, control all this shit. How are you supposed to be able to fight this shit, right? If, you, if, if, if we don't become more attuned in ourselves and become more grateful for what we have and grateful where we are and build from that. that that's how that shit goes. That's how that shit Wise goes. words from a wise man. That's man. how that shit goes. Hey, dog. That's how that shit goes. Hey, man, like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Because he's my cousin. That's, I've, I've heard That's my this God stuff right before. So it's not like something new to me. No, this is. This is and I've even seen it come into play. And I, I still want to. You know, tell you on the mic as well as off the mic, man. Just when your mother had passed, mm -hmm. the way you handled and conducted yourself oh. really um, was something for the seat because it it was crazy that it was your mother and you were ending up comforting me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was so devastated. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I remember when I heard the diagnosis mm -hmm. 
And I said, ALS. Mm -hmm. What the? Mm -hmm. So that that's not a that's not a cure, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not nothing that's going to be able to. And, and she wasn't going to overcome that one. And I, I mean, we saw her beat cancer. And for her to get that diagnosis, mm -hmm. and for a moment, I, I wanted, like, I was upset and I was selfish because I wanted to hold on to her. Mm -hmm. and then my thoughts had went to her mm -hmm. and her not suffering. But then, like, my final thoughts were about you. Mm -hmm. And how's he gonna be? And what's his life gonna look like? And so I, I, I just really, I was in awe and amazed to see your strength in that um, that time. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it was. I had kind of like started prepping myself for mom's death because she had been sick prior to that. So I had kind of building myself up to it. But when this diagnosis came, that was like, oh man, this is a fight. You know, everybody would come back from that. And so my initial thought right, was to bring her to Austin here with me and she didn't want to come. As you, you know, yeah. she gonna be mom. Right. And I was like, mom, you got this. And then she, she broke it down. She like, you know, Mark, it's not that I don't want to come with you. She said, I don't know anybody in Austin, really. She said, I have all my support system right. here, my family here. And I said, all right, come on, and then I understand that. But then I said, but you know, I, I can't be in Dallas every weekend. She said, you got to do what you got to do. You work hard to get this job. You stay there. My mom believed in going to work. Yeah, yeah, most yeah. yeah she most believed, you know how she was. Like, Boy, you need to go to work. <laughs> Shit. Hell, you ain't going to be losing no job, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know. And so, but you know that happened, and you know she got sick, and I remember that that that, that you know that Christmas day I took her to the hospital, and she didn't come back home. That was that was it, and she died like you know right before the, yeah, December thirtieth, as a matter of fact, and you know five days after Christmas, and you know, but it was rough, it was tough, you know for sure, it still is, uh, but I had kind of got myself there and I was able to say to her everything just about I wanted to say to her. You know, I was able to tell her, I told her on her and she was dying. And I was then I said to her, I said, Mom, of course I was booing. But I said it to her, I said, uh you had taught me how to take care of myself. You don't need to worry about me. <laughs> That's a blessing to be able to say that to my mother on her deathbed. To be able to say to her uh, you don't have to worry about me. Mm -hmm. I say you 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 done well, you know. And she was trying to die, and I was over, you know, talking. <laughs> and she had to say, "Shut the fuck up," <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but you know, she was feisty right to the end. And I'm like, here I am trying to make it like TV. I opened the window up and I was, "Mom, look at the land, look at the sunrise." I just I did, man. I opened the goddamn window up and said, "Mom." <laughs> 
Look at the song. Just yeah. look at the song. She looked at me and she said, mm mm. You know, she couldn't ALS it. Yeah. She couldn't really talk, but she get dogged in. <laughs> oh, close it. I said, it's hot. It's hot. I said, oh, okay. Well, whatever. Fuck that. We ain't gonna have We ain't gonna have one of the moments where you're like, and she died when, as the sun. Right, 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 right. I was trying to have one of them moments. And mom said, shit, close that blind. She said, it's hot. I said, oh, okay, shit, my bad. You know, so it, it, it you know, ruined my, you know, big cinematic moment I was trying to have there. But, but yeah, but you know, she, you know, Uncle Raymond came, uh, you know, our uh, uh, uncle, both our uncles. Uh, I was, and uh, and I said, oh, you know, I told our cousin Stan, hey, let, 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 you know, Uncle Raymond have a few moments for mama, you know. And she, I left the room. When I left the room, she, she died when I left the room. She was waiting for me to leave the room. She didn't want to die in front of me. Matter of fact, she kept turning away from me. And I was, and they're trying to get her right. Mama, we going to look at our face or whatever. She was, you know. But yeah, she didn't want to. She didn't want to. She didn't want to die in the room with me. And so, but you know, like I say, but I got to say everything I wanted to say to her. And yeah, man, look, shit, dude. I and right now we're in a minute. The bus stop start crying. Like the nighttime is the worst. They almost crying uh, over here. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah really. I, I, I saw you. That's why I had to tell you that story about the sunshine. Uh, I saw you. That's why I had to tell you that story about how I almost ruined my thumb. I did. That's why I say, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the one too. I said, that ain't yeah, G style. Yeah. You're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but you know, shit. I can't go to that. Like, like hell. Like he, he, Joe will tell you. Like I was like, dude, what you doing uh, Labor Day? What that dog? I want you to go to Dallas. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah, to, yeah. I'm not scared to go. But it's hard. It's hard yeah, to yeah, go yeah. back to Dallas and go to that house, mm -hmm. and 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 mom's not there. You know. And then not only that, just to be giving her things away, legit throwing shit in the trash, mm -hmm. like because I can keep all that shit. You know, mm -hmm. but throwing things away, like all of that is you know it's been tough. But you know, man. But you know, he was asking like, how am I gonna be? Man, she left me, equipped me with the necessary tools right. to make it the rest of the way without her. And I'm grateful for that. And I think <laughs> I'm grateful for that. I think the few days after that I spent with you yes. had gave me rest assurance. Because you had a plan. Yeah. Even when people didn't want you to have a plan, yeah, 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 yeah. you had a plan. Yeah. You know? And uh -huh. even then it felt like He's, cause you'll never get over. No, death. Yeah, yeah especially you know what I mean. Yeah, like you know, my over. mom passed in away, and your yeah. mom took care of my mom. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and they're not even sisters, but you know what I mean. I yeah. still deal with that to this day. Mm -hmm. And so, to see you already was already turning like you know I'm gonna get some help, mm -hmm. and you already getting help. Yeah, I did. Know? I went to therapy. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. brothers, go to therapy. Yeah. Brothers, please, yeah, yeah. I went to therapy. Shit, yeah. I it was nowhere to put the rest of the, it was nowhere else to put it. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get some help, and I had to get on them pills. Right. I, I take, I don't mind. I take sertraline, man. I and, and I need it. I have the grief is rough. Yeah, it's tough. Mm -hmm. And and what well, you know, and my therapist says to me all the time. She said, I just want to commend you for coming in and asking for help. I had to ask for help. And not first I asked for help. Then it got so bad, I asked for more help than I was getting. Hmm. I said, I think I need to take something. Yeah. yeah. I knew it, man. I felt it. Yeah, and I, I, and I think that's important that you say that because Dre especially says that a lot too as mm -hmm. well. We both preach, but Dre says mm -hmm. that a lot. And again, we don't, 
Like even in my family, it's taboo. Oh shit, yeah. To say you you got like if our grandmother was here today, mm-hmm. God boy, you can just pray. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in our community, yeah. yeah. Black Hispanic, we don't do you. You mm-hmm. talk to a priest yeah. or you talk to a pastor, mm-hmm. or you get over it. Or you get over it because it's a sign of weakness. That's right, it's a sign of weakness. That's right. Well, shit, I'm the weakest motherfucker it is. You, and, I, you and me both. Yeah, okay, because I'm going to get me some therapy. <laughs> Fact. Yeah. Me too. In fact, right, like therapy, look, shit, I don't know why more people don't want to go. I mean, me neither. It is a whole hour of you talking about yeah, yourself. No yeah. interruption. Yeah, that's fact. I'm like, what in the hell? Where has this been all my life? You know, I mean, legit. No, you're right. Yep. Man, want out. It, that, what do you think? And you can talk about anything. Yeah. My toes really been. It, it, no, that's right. It, it's legit. Like, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it's, it. It's bad. Let me tell you something. I highly recommend it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no sense in walking around here suffering in silence. So, which one are you going to be suffering in silence. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Ain't no sense in suffering in silence. It's too much help. Yeah. These two together are formed <laughs> like you, you, like a Turner and Hooch. Oh shit! 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 He'll start talking. I wish you could see this live. His dress starts smiling. <laughs> and he just said, nigga, that's what I would say. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> I was like, hey, put me between these dudes. So, he right on it, man. He right so, on it. I know our time is getting winded down. Oh, for hell. Show, is it really? We just been talking. Oh, but man. to our listeners. Yes. Yeah, this PhD. What, what, I, what is your PhD? My PhD is in, in film and media studies, or radio, TV, and film. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's smart. So <laughs> whatever he said, he's yeah, yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So some people don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Not at all. We just like, uh-huh. but <laughs> well, I guess it's a three-part answer. Okay, all right. The first thing is is what is your favorite book and favorite movie? Oh wow! And then. What is a book and a movie you would recommend oh, to really? our listeners? Okay. So the the right, so that's a two part. Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My, so I my, correct myself, Dre. Yeah. yeah, yeah you got two part answer. answer. I was on for third, but I can do three. Yeah. Yeah. Not the threesome. I can do a whole a trifecta. Uh, a trifecta. <laughs> so the first one would be: What is your favorite book and favorite movie? My favorite book is Beloved by Toni Morrison. It's my favorite book. Uh, and and that's like you know picking your favorite child because I, I Toni Morrison means everything in the world to me. In fact, she died the, you know the month of my birthday in August before my mother died. You know I lost John Singleton, Toni Morrison, and my mom died in the same year. And throw Diane Carroll in there for extra measure. Uh, and but beloved, but Toni Morrison, no, really, there's very few writers, there's no writer, actually, I think that means more to me than Toni Morrison. It's the, the way she uses language. It's almost cliche, right, to say that Toni Morrison is your favorite artist. There's so many people that love her. Uh, I like to think I'm the one that loves her the most. <laughs> uh, I like to think. Uh, but uh, but the, 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 Toni, the way she uses language, the honesty in which she uses language, and the way that she talks about issues that affect us as a people. Uh, it's just it's extraordinary. Uh, you know, one of my favorite lines 
a couple of my favorite lines, but one in particular from Beloved, when she talks about the only grace, and I'm paraphrasing, well, I have to change up the pronouns a little bit, but the only grace we can have, right, is the grace that we can imagine, comes from Beloved, which I love that. And then, of course, when she says, you know, here, right, in this place, we are flesh, flesh that weeps, laughs, uh, dances barefoot in the grass, love your flesh, love it hard, because yonder, they do not love your flesh. Mm. You know, and then she goes through this whole thing. It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, as you know, you know, beloved is about a ghost story, which is about, which is based on the case of uh, the real life case of Margaret Garner, who, uh, you know, cut her child's throat, killed her child rather than see it be taken back into slavery. Mm -hmm. And but Toni Morrison fashioned the ghost story around it. It's beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, that's my, that's my favorite. My favorite movie is Boys in the Hood. Okay. Uh, Boys in the Hood just uh, I mean I, and this he's got Boys in the Hood shirt on. I do. He does. Because <laughs> uh, he, no, he, he does. It's simpatico. Yes. I, John Singleton is my man. I, John Singleton. I wrote my dissertation on John Singleton. Yeah. A race, gender, and narrative in John Singleton's self-described hood trilogy of Boys in the Hood, uh, Poetic Justice, and Baby Boy. I wrote my dissertation on. That's what my book is going to be about. Actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, but Boys in the Hood will be at your signing. You'll be yeah. I, I have a book signing. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, oh, it's cousin Drake. Oh, Drake. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, no, but, uh, but yeah, Boys in the Hood, man. Just you know, it's so funny. You know, one of my one of my Tony Morrison is one of my heroes. Too, but one of my other heroes in the world is Ice Cube. I love Ice Cube. I love him. And my friend, you know, Trace and Nicole introduced me to Ice Cube. Uh, I would never forget 1991. Go riding in the car, they're listening to Death Certificate. Changed my fucking life. Four things, there are four things in this life that changed my life. Four things. I read my first Toni Morrison novel, which was Song of Solomon. I saw Boys in the Hood, Ice Cube's Death Certificate album. Right, fucking changed my life. And then the, oh shit, what is the fourth thing? I don't forgot. Usually, <laughs> usually, as you can see, the count, count runs in the family. I forgot. So two. Yeah, the Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice. No, no, the Boys, no, Boys in the Hood. Uh, oh shit, I'm gonna have to read my own damn article so I can remember what <laughs> I think it was. Oh, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Oh, okay. yeah. All at the age of 21, completely changed my fucking life, man. And Boys in the Hood, I had just never seen. I, you know, I really can't feel like I'd never seen myself on screen until I saw Boys in the Hood. I was straight. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't go to my, I didn't get to live with my dad, but but I was <laughs> legit was straight. Yeah. Right. And and you know you know the dude in in, in the neighborhood right that was had these goals was doing something. His parents were kind of like you do this, and everybody else was kind of left it there. I was fucking straight, man. And so to see that and just I, you know and cute doughboy, I, I was devastated by. It. Boys in the Hood, and it has resonated with me my entire I had to write my dissertation about it. I had to. So, yeah, so those are my favorite books and my favorite movies. Yes. Yeah. That Boys in the Hood was a hard movie for me. Oh, man. I think people try to portray, like, they only take the shooting aspect of it. Yeah. Like, that was a lot of black people's lives. Oh, man. And just, I mean, I mean, in, in general, if you take the shooting out of it, that's. Yeah. Most normal Americans yeah, lives are just like, man. Yeah, I have some theories about something that Carolina will say here because I'm putting it in my book. So you have to <laughs> I'll tell y'all after we turn this off. Yeah. Some like of my that. theories. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> what, what book would you recommend? What, what book would you I feel like I've been hogging this up. No, you're good, man. Nah, nah, you're good, man. Yeah. What book would I recommend? Uh, wow, man. There are a ton of them. Like, well, there's a book that I love in terms of talking about grief, which is Joan Didion's book. Uh, the Year of Magical Thinking, 
which is about a book that she wrote after the death of her husband, unexpected death of her husband. Uh, and, and in the meantime, while their daughter, they had been visiting their daughter who was gravely ill in the hospital who died soon after the husband died. Uh, but she wrote this book about the husband's death that, oh my God, man, blew me away. And I would give it to people, you know, for, that were grieving and now I need it. Hmm. Now I need it, hmm. right, it's incredible. So that's one book I recommend. I love, another book I read about a, an, an artist, a poet, uh, that wrote about the death of her husband, uh, Elizabeth Alexander, black female poet, wrote a beautiful memoir about her husband's death called uh, The Light of the World. They're just gorgeous, beautifully done in a creative process and, 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 and talking also too about what it means to be in love with somebody, not about his death, but about being in love with him and, 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 and what a loss that was. Right, to not have that and to raise children. What's her name? Elizabeth Alexander. Let me tell you something, ladies. If you like me, you better be in love with me like there's Elizabeth. I'm going to read that. <laughs> well, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to get the audio book. <laughs> oh, God. Elizabeth Alexander. If, if I hear this and you ain't talking about me like this, don't you even come towards me. You better have some Elizabeth Alexander. Matter of fact, that's going to be my new slogan. You better love me like Elizabeth Alexander. <laughs> Like a husband love dog, right? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. yeah, and of course, I always recommend the Toni Morrison novel, too. Another book that I recommend that I love uh, is a book called Erasure, Erasure by Percival Everett, uh, which is, a, you know, about a guy who's an, uh, a, a, you know, black guy who's writing novels and writing these really, you know, you, you know, literary novels nobody was reading and was really upset that all this kind of urban crime fiction was getting mm -hmm. you know all the attention so he writes one in jest and it becomes the biggest selling book he ever writes and he wins all the awards for it he's just like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know a satire or whatever i mean i could name a shit ton of books so i'll stop right there movies what just what i tell you no no let me let me do let me do two now let me do two so Barry Jenkins is my favorite. Barry Jenkins and John Singleton and then John Sayles, whatever, are my favorite filmmakers. Here, I love Barry Jenkins. And so, you know, you can't go wrong with Barry Jenkins. It Moonlight, if Bill Street could talk, certainly my favorite of his movies, his first one, Medicine for Melancholy. But a movie I've really been recommending right now, too, that I think is just gorgeous, man, is The Last Black Man in San Francisco, mm -hmm. which is just a beautiful, beautiful movie uh, about gentrification, right? I always, I teach it, I teach it as a bookend. I did, I taught it last semester as a bookend to uh, Barry Jenkins' uh, Medicine for Melancholy. Another movie I, I really recommend of late, Trey Edward Schultz's movie Waves, which uh, Sterling K. Brown and Kelvin uh, Harrison and uh, Renee Elise Goldberry. I think I just and, watched uh, that. Did you write about the brother and the sister, Chuck Taylor Russell, about a brother and sister, tells the brother story first. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The sister. yeah. You, man, yeah. It is tragic, yeah. but beautiful. Yeah. A tragic, but beautiful film, for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, definitely, and then yeah. So I, I, I you know, I, I hate to. I mean, there are two movies about black people, but they're directed by white directors, which is fine. But I always like to kind of, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, yeah. that, that, I, I like to tell you that, you know, watch some you might not have seen yeah. uh, <laughs> that have been directed by, you know, uh, black people. But it's cool. It's cool. Those are great movies, man, and and, and beautiful performances by people of color. That. Um, and another movie I really love is uh, uh, Alfonso Caron's movie Ithuma Matambien, uh, which is a beautiful movie about friendship between these two uh, guys that are, you know, from Mexico and from, you know, one was rich and one, you know, didn't have as much money, more working class. And they, they have this uh, sexual awakening with this older woman and they take a road trip. 
Love that movie. Is that is that what we need? Yeah. Always say, but I was arguing it when I first when I first saw it. It was three o'clock in the morning. I was watching. I was up at three in the morning. Okay. Yeah, man, I do actually. So, um, <laughs> since you since you mentioned Ice Cube, Ice Cube, yes. right? Yeah. Um, I'm a hip hop head. So, yes. how, how you feel about hip hop? Oh man, are you you, you good? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay, so I'm fifty. Bro. Uh, okay, so on. give me give me your top five. Some of the age. My top five rappers. Yeah. Well, Cube is always gonna be number one. Okay. For me, I'm no, well, I don't give a goddamn what go down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ice Cube is number one. Uh, Q-Tip. Okay. I love Tip. Q-Tip okay. is my second favorite. Okay. Uh, Q-tip by himself, who would try? I, I don't give a damn. It don't make no difference. I love I love Tip solo albums. Yeah. Uh, the Renaissance. I I fucking like legit like A to B man, A to Z on that one. Like I love it. And of course I amplified too. But I love Kamal the Abstract too. But you know, and of course you know we we tried for sure. Uh, so that's two, three. Uh, you you know there, you can't have a list and not put Rakim on. So that has to be three for me. Just out of respect. I feel oh, just okay. out of fucking just you know reverence. Gotcha. Rakim has to be on this list. Uh another one for me, got Andre 3000. Yeah, of course. Andre 3000, I think, is just goddamn, man. Yeah, you yeah. know. And number five, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I, I have to put him on I really should put him higher up, actually. It, it, let me tell you something. Kendrick Lamar, good kid Mad City. Yeah. Dude, I think I played that album every day for a year. Legit, I don't think I listened to anything else. Hmm. I don't. And and I gotta put one on, I gotta put an honorable mention on there just because, you know, we do this all the time, this bullshit. But let me tell you something. There I I legit, I'm gonna put this down on the day. Right, you heard it here first. Write this shit down. <laughs> there is no I don't feel one of the hardest verses ever put on vinyl, on, <laughs> on magnetic tape, whatever, <laughs> is Lil' Kim's verse from Get Money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I respect Let it. me look, yeah, look, yeah. look. That shit right there. <laughs> Lil' Kim, look, hey. look, if I said Lil' Kim walking here right now, I would get on my knees and do this right here. Because that verse from Get Money, I, I mean, that, I, I think she top biggie. I oh, I said it. I think she does. It's kind of like what Nicki Minaj does on Monster. She blew yeah, all yeah, them yeah. off. No, no, she did. She did. She did that. No, she she bossed hog man. Yeah, yeah. But I think Lil Kim bossed. Hog, I think Lil Kim. Or that, that, oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. You want to keep it to my dude, baby? Oh, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen. I have never been <laughs> so let down. Oh, <laughs> you don't like my list? This was such a great emotional roller coaster uh, just to end with this a letdown. <laughs> oh, look, that's a letdown? What? I said, 
I was waiting. I said, man, I wonder who's it going to be. Is it going to be big? Is it going to be pot? I said, man. That was a letdown? Maybe I should explore even more. I said, man, maybe maybe it's going to be ghetto boy. Maybe it's going to be Scarface. Nah, I was ready to buckle my seatbelt. And I said, it's going to be something. He said, little kid. Wait a minute, hold on just a second. Are we going to really sit here and act like Wait a minute, hold on. Are we gonna really sit here and act like Lil' Kim ain't the shit though? Hey, is that what we know it? Hey, cousin. Wait a minute, we just, we know it? Cousin. Hey, I love Crush on you. Look, I'm a Lil' Kim fan. I'm gonna say, I know we ain't doing that. I like Lil' Kim. I'm just saying. But I just feel like I had a list of five men. I got to give the sister some love. And Lil' Kim's verse, dude, I mean, goddamn. Cousin, I get it. That's I shit. Get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gee. I mean, I could have went, you know. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I get it. But that little Kim, oh my damn. <laughs> that shit, I, the, 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 the answer, dude, you know when that shit come on. I look. Man, come I, on, man. I, I get it. it. I ain't, I, I, I <laughs> wasn't no let down for me, listeners. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Because I know for a fact, if somebody listened to that day, when I said that, went, hell yeah. 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 <laughs> that nigga went, he right though. That nigga right though. You know somebody said I'm, that. I'm going to just sum, sum up my feelings. So, our grandmother oh. was the most ruthless. When I tell you, and she was. She wants to whoop this nigga all the time. Yeah, this is, if there was anybody I dislike, if you could say, I had oh boy, counterpart villain. My grandma. That was your arch nemesis. Yes. We we did not that like was his arch nemesis. We did not like each other. That, that was that was, that, that was the joke of his Batman. No, no. As hard as she was, how many people cried at her funeral? Exactly. She was a hard person. I don't know. Nobody really cried at her funeral. I remember her kids. Something. No, they were just like. They said maybe. They were just like. Yeah, she remember that. Yeah. that she remember, she remember when uh, Mama was telling that story. No, Uncle Joe tell you this story too. She made Pop really had that jack in front of that car, and Uncle Alero was messing with that jack. Popped up and then hit him in the hit him in the head, and Mama said he was flopping on the ground like a chicken. And Grandma went out there and whooped his ass up. You shouldn't have been messing with him. <laughs> and then Mama said he was flopping like a chicken. Yeah. Like, 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 you know. Oh my God. So every Christmas, our grandmother <laughs> would buy a pack of socks. Oh God, yes. And then she would open the pack. Mm-hmm. She would. Everybody will get a pair. A pair. So if it's a six pack, that's six. It will go down the list. It would be me, my brother, my father, Mark, Marcel, Uncle Raymond. That'd mm-hmm. be six pack. And if yeah. there was any other men, then she would buy probably another another six pack. pack yeah. And then they would get a pair of those socks. And you didn't get them. And whatever was left over, you didn't get them. I mean, you're like, grandma's gonna have another pair. No. <laughs> One year she made us. One, she made the clothes. Did you tie? Did you tie? She made socks and tie. Oh, shit. She made them Jacqueline Jackson. Yeah, she made socks and tie. Yeah, she made socks and tie. And it's a Swiss Army knife. And I said, oh my gosh, grandma got me a Swiss Army knife. And then as I started to like, cause you know the package of Swiss Army knife, you can't just open it yeah, up. Yeah. You gotta use something to cut yeah, open. Uh, I said, this is already open. I said, oh, okay. So then I pulled it out and I said, this blade is dull. And I said, the tweezers are missing. The toothpick is missing. This is a, re- this is a reused 
<laughs> it wasn't even reused. Yeah. It was fucking like incomplete. <laughs> that shit was incomplete. It wasn't used. So just like you're you're getting like just like what you said. Are you trying to say my little camera was like that fucking little camera that Hey! It had, me built, it had me built up thinking I was about to get something. <laughs> look, Kim, if you, if you happen to hear this, my, my cousin is a hoe. I thought I was going to get something that was going to change my life. But, this nigga's a hoe. At the same, at the same, at the same token, at the same token it, it was something that I could appreciate. <laughs> Oh, but you was let down. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just wasn't yeah. what look, I thought it would be. Look, Kim, my cousin is a hoe till further notice. He holds you. Yeah. Oh, so, that's all I had to say. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Hilarious, man. Hey, um, y'all walking, y'all's brilliant. <laughs> no, that's 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 yeah. for real. Yeah. Um, Hey, hey, we, we, we're, gonna, we're gonna close this up. Because. Okay. <laughs> this, this dude got an incomplete Swiss army. Right, they're they, they trying to crack out all the camp. We're gonna have to do an episode two so we can tell family hey, stories about our grandmother. Oh, God. Oh, my God. We can just tell stories all day about our grandmother. That's a three hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, we get yeah. hey, um, Dr. Mark Cunningham. Yes, sir. We appreciate your time, man. Thank you. um, yes. Thanks for blessing us with um, everything you've blessed us with the knowledge, the um, just the authenticity of your story, your you know your approach to this. So again, man, we appreciate you, sure. man. Um, do someone you that uh, that yeah, man. I, I appreciate it, man. I mean, I was enlightened, man. I laughed a little. Damn, they wanted to cry a little. Man. Oh so, shit. Um, no, nah, man, I appreciate yeah. that for real, man. And um, walking your brilliance, um, listeners out there, man. Yeah, that's that's real, man. We we have to we have to come to a we have to come to a point in life, man, to whereas you know we have to be unapologetically ourselves, mm -hmm. walk in our brilliance, and take care of ourselves, man. Because mm -hmm. I mean, as, as we see in the world today, I mean, it's a cruel world out there, and. Um, for lack of a better term, we all we got, um, and it's just important to um, allow allow people to be individuals. I mean, we're not all the same. I mean, even if we're all black, we're not all the same. We don't come from the same backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, we're not even all the same uh, shade of black. And um, embrace that. I mean, that's important. Embrace that. Um, it, it's 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 something that we need, uh, especially during these times, man. Just just we, we need to start learn. We need to all learn how to accept each other for our differences and embrace that and um come together and push forward man i mean sure. so i appreciate that i appreciate the time that's, joe what up man anything <laughs> well again i love you man <laughs> uh, i appreciate you i knew um you too, too. yeah i knew when we did this platform i was gonna have you on all right and i mean like you know dre we can tell you even before i reached out to you mm -hmm. several weeks before mm. I had already had the idea. Even though you tried to DM me was like, oh uh, yeah, I thought I can't be on I, I'm not on the show. You, it was already in the works uh. for you to be on the show. So and I mean also back again because I felt like we don't we didn't have enough time to A explore you. Oh. And then B just um you know tell yeah. about our, our background, our life, our family. Yeah. So definitely, 
again, I, I appreciate you taking your time. Oh, I, and I appreciate you being transparent mm -hmm. and honest because mm -hmm. that, that is the whole thing about our conversations that we have on here is that mm -hmm. it works because me and Dre, we, we care enough to be honest, but we don't care enough to hold ourselves back and tell our truth. Right, well, what do you guys think is a culture, right? We've lied and kept enough secrets long enough. We've done that long enough. Right. That's why we're where we are. So, so uh, love y'all. Appreciate yeah, you. Thank you, cousin. Thank you, you space. Thank you, studio yes. audience. We appreciate you. And uh, that's all I got to say. I ain't got no shout out. Shout out, y'all know Jesus. Shout out, out to Lil Kim. Kim. <laughs> shout out to Lil Kim. And we out. Yeah. Whew. There we go, you guys. Another episode of the Minority Report is in the books. I want to thank all the listeners out there for continuing to listen to us each and every week. To all of our new listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. The more the merrier. Please spread the word. You can follow us at Minority Rap Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So all social media platforms, Minority Rap Pod on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I want to shout out to my girl Ty White for the beat. Uh, for the intro outro beat so y'all look her up ty white beats ty white underscore beats and that's on your instagram or on apple music as well you can find her she'll lace you with a beat or two um also look us up on our youtube channel the minority report it's on youtube uh we're on there please hit that subscribe button uh like us dislike us leave a comment um let us know let us know how we get on today's 